Open your Bible. Let's get to it, shall we? I want to grab your sermon notes. Thank you for those of you that are streaming in and, and those of you that are here. But I'll probably only take about, we'll see, 20 minutes. People ask me sometimes, why are you so time conscious? Because people have things to do. And that's why we have a lot of people. Because people appreciate the fact that you don't keep them forever. The first thing people ask you when you ask, invite them to church is, how long will it be? <laughs> that's a clue right there. How long will this be? When I mentor pastors, I'm always telling them, don't talk that long. Get to the point. Summarize it. Do a part four and five. Just don't do it all in part one. <laughs> the other day, um, I uh, came up with this, this sermon hit me two in the morning. And uh, the series we're in, repeat it with me, please, say building a future. That's the series we're in right now, building a future. And it's really about you taking responsibility and understanding that you are part of the process. God is involved for sure, but you are part of the process. Building your future is not something that you can just pray about. The, the reality of your life today is tied to the choices you've made. It's not all God's fault. Sometimes I think we can't, we can't think the way he wants us to think. That's the problem. We, we can't our minds can't cross that bridge. It's like there's a lake between what God wants and what we'll do. And he can't get us in the boat. He can't get you in a boat to take better care of yourself. He's on the other side of the shore saying, come over here where it's healthy. I don't believe that God wants you to be in bondage. And I've come to some revelations as a pastor, many of which I will share with you in the coming weeks. Because I'm changing a number of things regarding how we function. I, I feel that I've come to some clear revelations. And let me, let me tell you what makes you come to revelations. Say this word with me, please. Say frustration. frustration. Oh, yes. Frustration will pull you right out of foolishness. If you get frustrated enough, if you get tired enough, bored enough, angry enough, you just one day look at something in your life and say, now you know I'm tired of you. I am just really not willing to live this way. I'm not willing to allow myself, my emotions, my mind to feel this way. And so I believe that it is sometimes severe frustration that helps us. It's not, it helps us to see how foolish we've been. And that is believe me, my big point today. The question I want to ask you today, my one big question is, what circumstances in your life frustrate you? When you look at them, you just think to yourself, these are the things that I just can't put up with. Not for another 5, 10, 20, 30 years. And I, I came up with a list of things. But before I do, here's the term, the statement that helped me so much. It helped me during this political season. It helped me during some of the crisis. And Lord, help New York today. Everybody say amen. The challenges that they face. 
all the things that I've seen, you know what? You know one of the things that, that, that really helped me was this statement. Just say it like I heard it. Say frustrated, frustrated. out of foolishness. When you get frustrated enough, it literally will pull you out of doing things that don't help you, things that you know aren't wise. When your level of frustration rises to the place where you say, this can't be anymore. This kind of marriage, this way of managing my money, this way of interacting with people, working on the job, this, this, this approach to life, in and out of conflict every week. I just decided to give you seven potential answers to this question that to kind of summarize some of what I just said. Circumstances in your life that can frustrate you. But here's the benefit. They'll pull you out of something. If you allow it, it can be the turning point. For example, debt. There's a way to manage debt when it's smart. But we all understand the danger, the big danger of the wrong kind of debt, the smothering kind that keeps you up at night and worried about expenses. Margins. Say that big word, please. Come on. No, say it again. Come on. Margins have to do with cash. And that's what I mean when I say margins. How much money do you have, for real? One study I read said that the average American, if he has a $500 crisis, they have to use a credit card. Let me understand this. You save, you love God, you read the Bible, you're going to heaven, blah, 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 blah. But we can't find resources. Time. Always running out of time. Always living on the edge of fatigue. Always exhausted. No margins. And by the way, churches live in that. And I'm, deter I'm determined. I am determined to lead you to a new place. And you're going to hear my plans in a few weeks. But I am determined. It's probably starting next week. Yeah, next week. I, I, I think there's a, there's a place where you decide you got to do a lot of good. But you can't live in those tight margins and call it faith. That can be foolish in a bad moment. And that's why you, you have to pause and say, okay, let me not beat myself down, but let me extend the margins. Let me, let me find a new way to live. Sometimes it's the debt, the margins. Sometimes it's the tone that frustrates you. You live in this angry house. You're just always mad about something. There's always an argument. There's always an issue. There's always something that comes up. It's simple stuff. It's, you didn't put the cereal box back in the right spot. It, there's always a moment of frustration for you, all because of the tone. Sometimes it's your health. Everything hurts. Can you say that, please? Come on. Everything hurts. Just trying to walk. Just trying to get over here. Just trying. Just trying. Oh, they go. Oh, it's on this side. Now it moved over. It's over here. It's just, it's just everywhere. I'm just going to sit down. I'm just going to sit down and just hold on for just a minute in the name, in the name. Ooh, even that hurts. Great God Almighty. Even, 
hips hurt. Jesus. Got to get up. I got to rock out the seat. I can't walk up. I got to rock out of the seat. Come on, say everything hurts. Every time you talk to some people, it's what's wrong with you? <laughs> That's got to be miserable. Thoughts. Your mind's like a scary movie. Stuff running through your mind all the time. Always think you're going to die. And you wake up and you're still alive and you're scared to be alive and you're scared to die. <laughs> One big scary movie. You know, a lot of guys get in the ministry and they, 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 they <laughs> here's what they discover. It's a scary movie. They want to preach and then they get a church and then they have to wonder where the church is going to grow. Then they wonder if they have enough money. Then they're wondering and they're always worrying about stuff and people got a lot of problems and and how are they going to get a sermon together? And what are you going to say this weekend? You know, it's fun to preach every now and then. It's like it is nice to have children every now and then. <laughs> cute little people running around. Hey, till you got to raise them. There's something about relationships. It's just one frustrating relationship after another. You done loved how many people? Broke up for how many reasons? And then lastly, it's frustrating to just have no options. Always saying what I'm going to do, but you don't even know how in the world you're going to do it. You lose one job, you have no clue how to get any more money anywhere else. No options. I want to take you quickly through a story very fast, 2 Kings 7, a story about some guys who are frustrated, the lepers. Four lepers who basically were waiting during a period of great challenge in Israel because they were the outcasts for sure. They were people who if they came near a city, they, they would kill them. They had to say leper when people came near them. And so there was this incredible challenge that these four guys found in common. And normally people with common problems hang together. All broke people hang together. And they talk about it. <laughs> you broke? Yeah, I'm broke. How you doing? Good. People with bad marriages, they all get together and talk about their husbands and their wives and just kind of share the notes. What they do this week? Very seldom do people with good relationships hang with people with good relationships. They tend, I mean, I'm sorry, flip it. Most of the time, they want to hang with people with good relationships. People with bad relationships enjoy sharing and talking. So if you've got a bad marriage, you with somebody with a good marriage, you know, you don't want to hang with them because they're always positive. You want somebody that's negative. And if it's going well for you, you get tired of hearing how bad it is for them. So they say, birds of a feather do what? Flock together. So you got four lepers flocking together, and they have, first of all, this frustrating disease that everybody can see. It's something to have something that everybody can identify. When you walk by a leper, can't hide it. Secondly, notice that they had a frustrating disease that changed their lives. Now, these were people who couldn't come to the family reunion. These were people who could not hang around children if they had children. These were people that once they were identified as a leper, they moved out of the city. If they had a home, they had to give it up. If they had a job or career, they had to give it up. 
this is a disease that changes everything. They had a frustrating disease that forced them to adjust to a world of no dreams. Imagine living, just living, no dream, no purpose, no, no hope of a career, no way of living. You can see your family, but you can't go near them. They would stone you if you did. So imagine these frustrating lepers. But they came to a frustrating famine on top of the problem. It's one thing to be, okay, I'm a leper, but now we've got a leper in a famine. Now, you're at the bottom of the totem pole already, so when the famine comes, you're really in trouble because now you can't eat. So there's a famine, and it's demanding that you make what I call a frustrating choice. Here's the choice. This is in 2 2 Kings 7 and 3. It happened that four lepers were sitting just outside the city gate. They said to another, what are we doing? Can you read that with me, please? Come on. What are we doing sitting here at death's door? We're sitting here at death's door. There's a famine. If we enter the, if, if we enter the famine-struck city, we'll die. If we stay here, we'll die. You ever felt like that? If I say I want to raise, they'll fire me. If I don't say a raise, I'm broke. If I say something to my spouse, they might leave me. If I don't say anything, I might leave. Here they are at this moment when they've got to make a decision. If they receive us, we'll live. If they kill us, we'll die. We got nothing to lose. The old King James' way of saying it is, why sit here and die? A choice. A choice to accept your life the way it is. A choice. Our church has a choice. A choice to be what we've been, to celebrate homecoming 40 years. We can lay back and watch old videos and celebrate the past, or we can dream. You can sit there and talk about what's hurting you, or you can dream. You can sit there and complain about who didn't do you right, or you can dream. You can make a decision to embrace change, embrace newness. You can decide. It's frustrating, but the frustration is your friend because it's pulling you out if you let it. It'll take you from having foolish thoughts and foolish attitudes. It will change your life. Sometimes the pressure is God. It's God speaking to you and saying, come on, believe. It's the tensions in your home and the strife with your spouse. It's God saying, grow up. It's in that moment of tension in this country, even though you don't like the political pressures and the things that are going on, here's what it's told us. Let me show you where you really are. There's the political lesson. You want to know how mature you are and how strong you are and how together you are. Look at this mess. You want to know what you need to grow out of? Listen to these presentations. You think you passed certain things? Listen to this. Play the tape. There you go. Listen to that one. Shocking, isn't it? But here's what it says. There's still foolishness bound in our hearts. There are tolerances that we have that we shouldn't have. There are hidden attitudes and biases that we shouldn't have. But the frustration's your friend. 
It's like pain. Sometimes pain says, look at me. I'm hurting. Pain says, listen to me. Your heart's talking to you. Your emotions are talking to you. Stop. You're working too much. Frustrations, your friend is trying to pull you out, trying to redirect your vision. And so what's amazing is this story with these frustrated four men has a surprising ending to a frustrating season. You see, every frustrating moment is a season. Can you say that, please? Come on. Every frustrating moment is a season. One more time. Come on. Every frustrating moment. Don't you remember when you were in high school trying to graduate? That season's gone. Don't you remember when you were in college trying to pass that test? It's over now. You made it or didn't. You know what I mean? That's all over. These guys knew. They knew. While they were worrying, freeze frame, something else was happening. See, your world is not the only world. Come on, say it with me. Please come on. Say, my world is not the only world. There are really, listen to me, people in Uganda. While you're here going to get running water, there are people who can't go get running water. There's something here about this story in 2 Kings 7, verses 1 through 10, that changes a bit. Elijah comes on the scene. The Bible says this. Elijah said, listen, God's word, the famine's what? Over. This time tomorrow, food will be plentiful. A handful of meal for a shekel, 200, two handfuls of grain for a shekel. The market at the city gate will be buzzing, it says in the message version. While the, the lepers are frustrated and wondering what to do, in Elijah's world, he now knows it's over. He's prayed and God told him it's over. The famine's over. But these guys didn't know it. Now catch this. You don't know everything. Things you're worrying about, God has already worked out. Things you're trying to figure out, he's already figured it all out. Come on, say amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When... When Elijah made this statement, one guy heard him, and here's what the guy said. The attendant whom, on whom the king leaned for support said to the holy man, you expect us to believe that? I want you to hear this. Elijah tells the king, it's over. The famine's over. God told me it's, it's over. This time tomorrow, everything will be different. The, the attendant to the king, the servant, heard him say this and says, you got to be kidding me. Trap doors opening in the sky and food tumbling out. You'll watch it with your eyes, he told him. But you will not eat so much as a mouthful. Some people never believe. Flip switch back. The scenes change and it goes back to the lepers. And so the lepers took initiative. Not knowing it's already worked out. And I want you to follow this. They could have just stayed where they were and died. But they took initiative not knowing it was over. Here's the big word. Say it with me, please. Say they tried. Hear this. The job's waiting for you. You just have to try. 
The opportunity is waiting for you, but you just have to try. The new life, the new beginning is waiting for you, but you have to do what? Say the big word. Come on. Try. Real quick story. I was looking for a job. I was not having any success. I was around 20 years old, and I was in college, and I was trying to find a job. I needed a full-time job at the time, and I said, I got to just find a job. I got all dressed up in my one fancy suit, and I went to a meeting, and it was a, a, a job-finding service, and I sat there, and the lady interviewed me, and she says, Mr. Ricky Temple, I'd love to hire you, but we have no jobs at this point. And I said, well, thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate you at least interviewing me. And the phone rang. Come on, say the phone rang. The phone rang, and the phone said, uh, hold on, Mr. Temple. Yes, yes. Really? Really? Are you serious? Really? Hold on for a second. There's a job in Beverly Hills at a brokerage firm. You, 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 got, you think this will be? Yes, ma'am. That's a good job right there. Praise God. All you said was Beverly Hills. That was fine right there. That's a good job. We'll take it. I got the job because I was all dressed up in a suit sitting in the chair. If I wasn't in the chair, I would have missed a phone call. Say this big word again. Say try. He can't get you to try. Try school. Try, try, try. Try working out. Put on some workout clothes and nobody knows you don't work out. You'll look like it. <laughs> Come on, say try. <laughs> you see, the Lord, number four in your notes, the Lord had gone before them and scared the enemy. Scared their enemies. Here's what the Bible said in verse 6. The master had made the army of Aram, or Syria, hear the sound of horses and a mighty army on the, on, on the march. They told one another, the king of Israel has hired the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egypt to, to, to attack us. So they panicked and ran for their lives. All the people, by the way, you might need to catch this context here. Israel was surrounded by the Assyrian army and they were starving to death. The lepers said, we're going to sit here and die. Israel was sitting there and dying. And Elijah steps in and says, I know it looks bad, but he's worked it all out. Nobody knew. The lepers decided, well, if we're going to die, we're just going to have to go someplace. So we're going to this place. They're going to kill us if we go to the Syrians. They're going to kill us if we go to Israel. So we're just going to go to the Syrians and let them kill us over there. When they get there, watch what happened. The enemies had run. Haven't you noticed the things you worried about have already been worked out? Haven't you looked back in your history and things that scared you the most God had already fixed for you? Come on, come on, say it right. Have, have you seen that in your life before? Verse 8 says, these four lepers entered the camp, went into the tent, and first they ate and they drank. They grabbed silver, gold, clothing. And I want you to say this out loud with me, please. Say, so they went off. Come on, read it loud. Come on. They went off and hid it. No, notice that. Say it one more time. They went off and did what? Thank you. Thanks. Make a note of that. They came back into the tent, looted it again, and they did what? Hiding their plunder. People in Israel still worried. They, they're scared to come out of the because the, the Syrians are surrounding them and they can't get out and they're, they're starving. The, the lepers have come out 
they decided to go and say, we're going to take a chance. We're sitting here starving. Maybe the, the Syrians will have mercy on us. And, and so they get there, and they notice they're gone. There's nothing but food and gold and silver here. There's nobody here. This is amazing. So they start stashing stuff, and they start putting stuff away. Now watch this now. But here's what they really recognize. Number six, the lepers recognized that their, foolish, their, their, their behavior was foolish. Here's what they did. They judged themselves. I love this verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 31. You know what it says? Judge yourself and you won't be judged, which means look at yourself and tell the truth. Look at yourself and tell the truth. They said, this is not right. We shouldn't be doing this. This is the day, verse 9, they say, of good news. And we're making it into a private party. If we wait around until morning, we'll get caught and punished. Come on, let's go tell the news to the king's palace. Let's go and tell somebody else. Here's what they noticed. It's wrong to be selfish. It's wrong to just hold it for me. So they stopped themselves. Say that out loud. Come on. They stopped. No, no, no. Say it again. Come on. They what? See, you can't say I didn't say it because I gave you notes. Read number seven. What did it say? They what? And they changed their behavior. So they went and called out to the city gates, telling telling what happened. We went to the camp, and to our surprise, everybody was the place was deserted. Not a soul, not a sound. Horses and donkeys left tethered and tents abandoned. And so, please watch what happens. Okay, these guys made an incredible investment. But here's the bottom line of what I want you to hear today. They were frustrated and the frustration motivated them to do something that changed their lives. If they were not frustrated, they would have just sat there and died. I hope that's not you. I hope you can look in the mirror of your life and say, that's not where I want to be. But here's an amazing observation, what I call four frustrating observations when it was over. The people from Israel came, they, they, they ate food, they, the starvation was over, the prophecy that Elijah gave was true. They sent the guy who was negative, remember the one guy who said this is not possible, and he, the king told him, okay, you go guard the gate if it's true and, and, and kind of control the crowd so they don't just run and take all the food from the camp. And he was standing out there and they trampled him to death. He didn't get to eat anything. But here are the four things about the lepers that touched me. Number one, the lepers were never cured. This is not a story that has some classic ending where these guys get to be healed. The lepers were not allowed to keep it all. The lepers were not allowed to mingle when everybody else came. Number three, the lepers went back to being lepers. You can see the lepers walking back up the hill, walking back to their cave. All the people in the camp, glad we helped y'all. You ever felt like that? Glad I, glad I was a help to you. No more memory of what they'd done. No plaques, no awards. They were not given anything, number four, for freeing the nation. Nothing. Have you ever been this 
kind of leper. You ever been this person who gave it all and nobody said anything? Oh, it's amazing. But please understand this. It's a good thing they save some stuff for themselves. Here's a question. What are you saving for yourself? You're so invested in your kids. You're so invested in the future. You're so invested. So many pastors are so invested in their churches. They're so invested in, in this and that. And you're not invested in you. Let me tell you something. Jesus died for you. He wants your life to be wonderful. He wants to bless you. He wants to... Come on, say amen. Are you hearing me, church? He wants you to have some passion for yourself. You're building a future. You need to build it. And I want to pray for you that you build it right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these 20-some minutes. Thank you for the grace of God. and Thank you for the words that we've heard today. I believe that you have called us just moments of frustration. But those moments are our friends. You're trying to free us. You're trying to save us. You're trying to save the next generation. If in this generation, overcoming by faith, manages the frustrations of management and resourcing what we do, if we do this right, the next generation will have it better. If we manage our own insecurities. The next generation can be secure. So lift those hands high, would you? Lord, we lift our hands to you as we prepare to leave in a moment. And we ask you to let this be a moment when we view our frustrations differently. These are tools that God wants to use to free us from foolish choices, from sitting in places and just dying knowing this is not what I dreamed of. God, I pray that your spirit will move, lift and heal hearts and minds, marriages, friendships. I pray for restoration and healing in the lives of your people. And I also pray for this, for God to help us not be afraid to save some stuff to have the resource to do, to provide for ourselves. And Lord, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for this time together. In the name that's above all names, in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Did you learn something today? Come on, did you?